Sometimes life is a beautiful mess, full of to-do lists, deadlines, and everything but time for you. Join me for Wednesday Nightcap, a 40-minute monthly space to unwind and de-stress from the daily grind of life. Because you deserve a moment to hit pause and reflect so you can realign with your true purpose. You have the power to decide how you want to show up. Click the link below and take your self-care to another level. I can't wait to see you for Wednesday Nightcap. Time for Tea with Makita is a podcast about redefining self-care. It's about looking at every aspect of our life from music, career, family, relationships, and everything in between. It's about spilling tea on those conversations that are sometimes hard to have. Well, we're not afraid to have those conversations right here. Join me as we spill tea on every conversation you ever thought about, dreamed about, or whispered about. Hey, y'all, it's definitely time for some tea. Welcome back. It is time for some tea. I am your host, Makita. I want to thank you for sharing your time, your space, and your energy with me today. Today, I am so excited. I have a very special guest here. Not only is she a lawyer, a cultural um, curator, she's also the author of Shana and Namdim. Welcome, Miss Yeve Sambanda, here to share all the tea on her story and journey. So thank you for just being here and sharing your space. Thank you so much, Makita. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, thank you. You have such an amazing story. Um, but before we get into all the background of your story and, and all of that, I just want to start with what led you on your journey from, you know, as an author to becoming a, a book writer, an author for children's books? Thank you for that question. It's one of my favorite questions. So I like to, to tell people and remind people that, you know, we are multi-dimensional humans. <laughs> um, and I always say that I'm literally becoming who I've always been. I can really draw back to when I was about probably preschool age, like my daughter's age now. And um, I have all these pictures and, you know, stories that I'm told by uh, my mom, for example, about how I was a storyteller. I would always be telling a story. I would be performing and acting and fast forward to grade school. Um, I loved telling stories and writing stories then. Um, and all along, I always also vocalized that I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and so that's what I pursued as a technical um, career. And, um, you know, telling, telling stories is, um, is what you do as a lawyer. You um, use the facts that you're presented with to tell a good story. But um, when I was pregnant with my daughter um, almost four years ago, I was searching for books that would um, help teach her my native, native language and my husband's native languages. Um, Shona and Ndebele, um, and did not find the quality that I wanted and that would match the books that were in her library. And, you know, I, after much soul searching and kind of like just remembering again who I am and who I've always been, I decided to write a book myself because I'm like, I've always wanted to write a book. I've always wanted to do this. And so this was an opportunity for me to do that. And it was really a passion project and something that 
I thought would be helpful, not only for my family, but for others. Um, and so that's kind of what happened. The birth of my daughter spurred the birth <laughs> of my career or my, my, not my career, but my interest in, and my actual action into becoming an author. I love that story. I love the fact that you decided that you wanted something for your daughter, something that you could pass on culturally with her because you're, you're so right. There is not a lot of books culturally that really always fit with what we want our kids to learn about their heritage, their background. And as you say, you know, just you are from Zimbabwe, correct? Yes. So just like you said, it was something that you wanted for your daughter that would merge both, you know, your language and culture with that of your husband. So that is that is really awesome and cool. Um, did you think that your growing up in your childhood experiences really helped you to form that identity that, you know, to go for it when it came time to like, OK, I'm going to just pivot over here and do this amazing thing? I absolutely do. I observed my mom like doing multiple things. So she had a full-time career, but she also had um, a thriving side business um, in landscaping and gardening. She was fully involved with her church. She was a volunteer um, for other organizations. She had outside interests, you know, and she was really a good model for me and is a good model for me to like, know that one can be multiple things. You know, that's why I started with saying being multidimensional. And so I think that's one for sure, one aspect of my childhood that helped me to get here. Um, And then I think also the um, the thought or the prospect of raising a young child myself and what I want my child to see and know, similar to how you know, I observed my mom, I wanted that for my kids too, to be able to see me as someone who can do multiple things, because in turn, that inspires them. And so um, that those two things. Um, And then I think just the third is growing up, I don't recall seeing books that depicted brown and black kids um, in the way that my first book of Shona and Mirele does in a positive light. I don't recall seeing books or hearing positive stories on the news about Zimbabwe um, in the way that this book does. And so I also wanted to kind of change that narrative. This is the book that I wish I had growing up. So I could see a little girl with, you know, curly Afro hair like mine. Um, I could see, you know, positive images of my home country. Um, And so I think actually trying to reverse some of the images that I saw growing up is also another motivating factor for me. I agree. As, as a, as a kid growing up, you know, in America for me, um, when my kids got older, I, well, when they were young, I really, it was so hard trying to find anything that would relate to the real culture. I feel of, you know, being a, Black or African-American, however people like to, to, you know, distinguish themselves. But there really was nothing. There was, you know, nothing that really spoke to the African culture. Even when you turned on the TV, 
And the cartoons that were displayed really didn't speak to me of what was happening in my community, the goodness, the, you know, touching into the roots of, of the culture itself. And, and you making, having a book that really gives kids the image of, you know, someone that looks like them, that, you know, talks like them. And then you, you dived into the language part of all of that. How was that part, you know, what made that like so important to you to make sure that was merged in? So if I'm understanding the question correctly, it's what made it important for me to weave in the language aspect? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, just wanted to make sure I got the question right. Um, I think, you know, similar to what you're, what you're sharing, right? Like I, I want to have, um, I want to instill a cultural pride in my daughter. And, you know, I always say um, this to, to, to people. She is African-American in the true sense, right? She's African and she's American. And she will no doubt um, struggle at some point with that duality. She will embrace that duality. She'll go through the cycle that one goes through um, as a first generation uh, anything, right? In this case, first generation American. Um, and so I have a sense that the American piece will kind of take care of itself because this is where we live. Um, and so I really wanted to be intentional about the African piece and teaching her our languages and um, not for fluency, but for her to just have an understanding and to know, like, you come from a very rich culture, right? And part of that richness is the language. Um, that's one aspect. And the, the other aspect is I am working hard to debunk this myth that only European-centered languages are important and they matter. You know, I've had lots of people say to me, why would you write a book on Shona and Dedele? Those are not major languages. And that's kind of the point, right? <laughs> Who determines what's a major language? Um, and why can we not celebrate African and Native languages? Um, not to say that they're going to now be taught in college and school or whatever, but just to say, hey, they exist, right? And to celebrate the richness that's in them, um, to celebrate the differences that are in them, right? Um, and just to say, we care, right? You might not care, but we care about them. And so we're going to showcase what we care about, right? Um, and so it's all of those multifaceted kind of nuanced reasons that I thought it was important to showcase language. And quite frankly, it's a fact that African languages as a whole are dying native languages. And so if we don't take the steps to document in a couple of years, um, you know, by the time my daughter is my age, these languages might not exist. Um, and because of oral history and oral culture, we know that um, there's a lot that is spoken and a lot that is shared orally, but not a lot that's written down. And so this is my effort to do that as well. Um, and I think finally, the language piece is important because raising a child in the diaspora is, is so tough. Um, and you are often really compete. There's so many competing demands for what it is that you're trying to, you know, how you're trying to parent. On one hand, you're trying to um, make sure that like you're raising a good human and like you're trying to learn things that your child is encountering that you never encountered because you didn't grow up there. 
Um, you're trying to teach them about culture. And so language is like one of the many things that are on the list and it just feels daunting. And so I wanted to provide a resource. Um, and then also just exposure to kids who and families who know nothing about Zimbabwean languages, who know nothing about African languages to say, hey, here's a book that you can add to your library in the same way that you would buy a book that is uh, Spanish ABCs and you don't speak Spanish, you can also buy this book and appreciate it for what it is, right? Um, and so those are some of the reasons that kind of led me on this path and why language is important um, for, for me to convey in this book. I love that you opened up the door to the possibilities that, yeah, the mainstream um, Spanish and you have some other ones, maybe Italian, French, but there is more to when you're talking about, you know, wanting to know more about different cultures and, you know, their beliefs and their languages. And like you said, some languages like, like, it's not talked about as much. People don't know about it. People don't speak it, but that doesn't mean it's not important. All languages are important because they, they help us to communicate in ways that we never could, whether written or orally, you know, it's languages. They say a lang language is, is, is love and how you, you talk and how you, you know, communicate with others in so many different ways. It, it matters and sharing that with, our youth and our kids and giving them this new way of looking at the world. Because when you teach people culture and you teach them languages, you're also teaching them history and they're getting the roots and they, they, it, it's possibility. The mind opens to other experiences and other things. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Now, Let's just go back a little bit and, and start with, you know, um, your cultural heritage, since you are from Zimbabwe. Tell us a little bit about that story and getting to this point where you're at now. Sure, absolutely. So I was born there, raised there. I moved to the U.S. when I was 16 and I started college at, um, at that age and have lived in the U.S. ever since. So literally... Uh, more than half of my life at this point without giving away my age. <laughs> um, and so, you know, this is home for me, but very much Zimbabwe is my home, right? Like that's where I grew up and that's kind of like where I uh, draw inspiration from in a lot of ways. Um, and um, in terms of just like culturally, you know, I had to go on my own journey I'm describing how I'm sure that my daughter will have to like grapple with various things as a, as a, as a first gen American, but I had to go on my own journey of discovering and rediscovering and re-embracing my culture. So when I got here at 16, um, I was young and impressionable. Right. Um, and of course you're trying to assimilate and you're trying to understand the new culture that you're in. Um, so there's that, but the four years that I was in college and I was away from home, I really found myself and who I was as a Zimbabwean during those four years. It's something about being so far away from any, anything you've ever known that for me led me on this journey to be like, oh my gosh, let me listen to Zimbabwean music and really like listen, right? 
um, and let me pay attention to these things that I took for granted when I lived in the country. Um, and, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of people who knew me better before I moved to the States, but people, some people I went to high school with or knew in high school, they were so surprised when I wrote this book because they were like, I would never have pictured you as a person who would write a book about our native languages. <laughs> um, because growing up, it wasn't cool to speak our native languages. I did, but I have friends who literally like said, oh, actually, I don't speak that, even though they did, right? Because it was the cool, quote unquote, cool thing to do. Um, and so it's like a complete shift for me to now be at this place where I'm like, 1000% we should speak our native languages. And not only that, we should share them with the world and share them with our children. Um, and so the language piece is, is another reason why this is such a personal um, kind of book for me, because it is a reminder of my own kind of journey um, to embracing um, my language. It also is a um, signal to a little bit of the cultural um, history and backstory um, in the country, because Shona and Nebele are the two primary languages in the country. However, um, those two languages are often not seen together in a book like this. It's either one or the other. Um, and there are multiple languages in the country, but those two are the predominant ones. And the two um, languages are spoken by the two, two tribes, the Shona and Ndebele tribes. And those tribes have a really negative history um, together. Um, there's been a lot of wars and just a lot of distrust and all of that. And so there's a cultural component too there where I'm like, listen, we are one people. We're all from Zimbabwe and we really should embrace each other, right? Um, and celebrate each other and the beauties and the similarities um, of our languages. Because there are a lot of similarities, actually, if you look at the book. There's so many words where it's like, wait, this is almost the same word. Um, and for me, being married to a man who is half Shona and half Ndebele, um, it's really a celebration of, you know, at the end of the day, um, people are people, right? And um, we can and we should kind of embrace all of these aspects of our culture as Zimbabweans, even if we are not, um, you know, I'm not Ndebele, but I can still celebrate that, right? And so... That's a little bit of the backstory about, you know, my culture and how it fits into the book. Well, you have an amazing um, story. And I like what you said about just being away from home, have really helping you to appreciate that heritage. Because I've, I have friends that, you know, are from different countries and they felt the same way when they came over. It was like they had to shed their identity um, to be in the cool crowd, you know, just to fit in and not, you know, feel like they're an outsider. And like, and just like with you, they've learned to like embrace that, that difference and to go back to speaking their native language and just sharing everything that makes it special. And the fact that you took this whole book and took two tribes that may not, you know, they didn't have a good history but you combined it and was like, you know what, there's love, we're all one. And I'm going to take this book and show how we are all one and how we can really come together as 
as you know, as people and just show the love for, for the culture, for the history and teach the kids that is more to that history than, you know, than they might have known. And just stepping into that, like when you were in, cause you went to a HBCU, correct? And did that experience, yeah, was that, um, did you feel like stepping into, into the HBCU was, you know, one of those experiences that really kind of helped you to like, I know you mentioned that it, it, it helped you really, you, you felt like, you know, you were able to go back to your roots, but did you feel like it was also like, this is where I needed to be to have this transformation? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, wow. You know, talking about my HBC experience, which was life-changing and which um, I wouldn't trade for the world. I feel like every black person needs to go to an HBCU <laughs> at some point. Um, yeah, I, I really, I, I think being at, so I went to Claflin University um, in Orangeburg, South Carolina, the oldest HBCU in South Carolina, Go Panthers. Um, and being there as a 16-year-old girl coming from Zimbabwe um, was what I needed um, to kind of help me for, for everything that I did after that, right, in so many different ways. So one, I already talked about the self-discovery of kind of reclaiming my roots. Um, as a Zimbabwean and, and appreciating um, them. And then two, understanding um, the lens through which, you know, Black Americans uh, do life um, and really helped with empathy, understanding, uh, sparked my curiosity, all of that. Um, and I identify um, as a Black American in the sense that when you look at me um, and, you know, when I'm out and about, no one can see that I'm Zimbabwe. There's nothing about me that says, oh, that's a Zimbabwe, right? You look at me and you're like, oh, okay, you know, black, black woman in America, right? And so much of the things that I've been able to achieve and accomplish have been as a result of the history of Black Americans in this country. And so having the foundation of going to an HBCU and learning about, you know, some of the struggles and the triumphs and everything was just so necessary um, for me. I mean, even tying it back to the book, um, the fact that in this country, um, most authors of children's books are not Black, um, they're white. Most characters are not black. They're animals, actually. There's, you're more likely to see an animal in a children's book than you will a black person. Um, and all of those things that, for me, are just like now, right, um, are just like, this is not okay, right? Let me do something about that. I think part of that was shaped by my understanding of just the history um, of black people in this country, which um, again, was gained uh, in large part uh, to going from going to an HBCU. I agree. And I'm just excited because my daughter's actually going to an HBCU this year, too. So, oh, nice. Very nice. She's going to have to contend with uh, the whole HU and the real <laughs> HU thing. <laughs> yes. I know that that's a thing with Howard. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> but you, I'm just so excited for her to have that experience and to get even more deeply rooted in her culture and just have an eye-opening experience. And like you said, I think yeah. your book is definitely yeah. something that kids and in and, and adults, I don't, I don't, it's for any kid. I don't think it's, you know, just for black kids, it's for any child, you know, just to have that experience and to know more and to be more culturally aware and accept, you know, so I love that. Right. Exactly. Completely agree. I'm excited for your daughter. Thank you. So I do have a question. How do you define what it means to show up and live unapologetically? Wow. Hmm. Listen, sis, I am still trying to, to, to really capture the essence of living unapologetically and showing up. But as I am learning right now, I would say it means being intentional about who I spend time with, how I spend that time. Um, it means being present uh, in everything that I'm doing. Um, and so whether that is showing up to this interview and being present, you know, spending time with my family and being present. Um, that is hard, but it is, you know, a journey that I'm embarking on. Um, and then living unapologetically is some of what we talked about, right? That is, listen, you don't see the value in a book with black people in it, with Zimbabwean kids in it. You don't see the value in these two languages, but I'm here to tell you that there is value and I'm going to celebrate it, whether you like it or not, because it's important to me. And I'm not harming you as I'm doing this, right? And so I'm going to proceed and do so loudly and proudly, right? Um, and I also think, especially as I get older, living unapologetically means making decisions and taking actions that are rooted in a real, genuine, and authentic um, self-love um, as opposed to, oh, let me do this because this is what people think I should do, right? Self-love, um, I think, is the key for me there. Um, and so I know that's a long answer, but that's how I would define it right now. Well, I love that answer and it, it connected with me so much. So I think you hit it dead on. Now, tell, tell everyone that's listening how they can, where they can find your book and how they can connect with you. Absolutely. So um, you can find my book on Amazon. You can also find my book at our website, um, www.policacreatives.com. I'm sure all of this will be in the show notes. Um, and then on Instagram, um, as well as on Twitter, um, and then me personally, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can find me that way. Um, and you can also find the book, you know, in most places where books are sold. Um, but uh, I always plug my website because that is me selling the book directly. Amazon is like through a third party and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so if you can, please support me directly by buying a copy um, for the children in your family. Um, on uh, my website. Well, thank you. And yes, that information would definitely be in the show notes for everyone that's listening. So you can get a copy. If not for you, you can always get it as a great gift. Well, thank you so much for just coming on, spilling some tea and sharing your story and how people can get, get your book and 
start connecting and sharing. Thank you so much, Nikita. I just want to pause and thank you for this space that you're creating, for bringing people together, for having dialogue um, that needs to be heard, and creating just this awesome platform that you've created, and for having me on. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you so much, Um, and I look forward to hearing from some of you um, and continuing to listen to Time for Tea with you. Thank you. All right, you guys, y'all stay tuned. We're going to have some key takeaways coming up. All right, you guys, welcome. It is time for some key takeaways. I just want to say, first of all, I am humbled that I was a part of this amazing conversation with Yeve. I just love the fact that she saw a need for something for her daughter, and then she did something about it. As a parent of two beautiful brown girls, I know exactly what it feels like to have books and movies of characters that look like my daughter's that they can feel inspired by and empowered from. I think it's huge. And I feel like when we live unapologetically, when we start living with purpose, that we do understand that Yes, it's born of a, of a seed and a need to give back, but it impacts so many different people. So many people, you know, find their own courage to live and show up unapologetically just from listening to other stories and connecting with them. And that's what this is all about, being able to connect on so many different levels. And I am just so happy that I was a part of a conversation that is much bigger than me and that I was able to share, you know, the story. And I just want to encourage other people to not just talk about the change that you, that you want, but to be the change that you want to see. We've heard this before, but it's so important. I think that as you transform and you grow into yourself and you step into your purpose, that you will find in life, what gives you passion, what gives you purpose. And just know that each and every time that you show up, there's someone listening, someone being inspired by you, someone that you are encouraging to live their life in a way that they may not have thought they could before, but because of you, they're making that change. So that is all the tea that I have today. Don't forget to join me next Tuesday as we spill more delicious hot tea. Until next time, namaste.